Welcome, movie fans. Thank you for joining us for episode 78 of Reading Between the Reels. If you're a new listener, we're so glad you found us. If you've been enjoying the show, please tell someone about us. Send a tweet, post to Facebook, write a review on your favorite podcast catcher, or just recommend the show to a friend. I'm Craig Dickinson, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Corey Heitschmidt, Justin Eldon. What's up, fellas? How are we doing tonight? Doing fantastic. I tried to have ChatGPT write me a funny opening line, and it wasn't funny. So, yeah. Hello. Talk on yeah. AI. To be All I got. Servants. Yeah. <laughs> I think it said, uh, uh, I'll, I'll even read it. Welcome, mutant movie maniacs. I'm like, come on. Oh, wow. Come on, AI. Well, well, here's this. How's this for a segue? You know what else isn't funny? Our movie for tonight. <laughs> Logan from 2017 is not funny. There's a few I, moments of levity, but it is not overall a, a a funny movie. No, it's not. So, but it is a good movie. It's a very good movie, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So, uh, Justin, I'm going to start with you. Your overall thoughts, because this was your pick. It was my pick. Um, we were sitting together, and Craig asked me what movie I would like to do for the show, and I had just watched Logan the night before, and I'm like, you know what's a fantastic movie? Logan. Uh, so I picked it. And then I've watched it two times since that 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 fateful day because I freaking love this movie. It's so good. Um, I'm a huge fan of like the entire X-Men franchise from the comics to the cartoons to the movies. And this is nothing like any of them. It's completely different than all the other movies. Um, but in a very, very good way. And I just think it's the perfect send off to the character of Logan and Charles Xavier and I don't know if I want to say the franchise as a whole because like literally everyone dies off screen but uh for those two characters particularly it was it's just it's fantastic it's emotional like there's several moments where you just kind of want to cry it's it's darn close to a perfect movie for me all right Corey I have a different take on this movie, Justin. Oh, I feel like oh, you and I have uh, switched from our last episode of Big Trouble Little China. And uh, this this was a movie I did not watch in theaters. At least I don't remember watching this in theaters. And I did not like this movie the first time I saw it. I thought it was a good movie. It was a decent movie. But it was not a movie that I looked at and said, this is what I'm looking for for this character. However, however, after learning all the things I've learned by doing this podcast with you and talking with Craig and with Justin and all the things that we've talked about from cinematography, music, screenplay, depth of plot, all these things that you've done on here, Craig, this really should be a college course, the things that you bring to light. And we've said it all the time, how many times you blow us away with things that you point out and we're like, wow, I didn't even know that. And so when I went in with those eyes to do a rewatch of this, this movie made sense to me finally. I didn't get it before. It made sense to me now, and I became a fan of it. And I think here's why. Logan, for me, became a perfect example of answering the question, how do you want a series to end? And that's what I looked at it as. Do you want the series or this main character, this character that you've loved from the show, to just stop making movies, and in your mind you feel they've, gone off into the sunset or do you want them to have one last final stand one last final destination that they have to face up 
that all people have to face. They're not immortal. They can't live forever. They have to face that final destination, that da- that that death. And Logan is one of those characters who was immortal. He was forever. And he was the one that is the last of the X-Men standing there. And how do you make that movie? How do you sell that character? And if you like it or you don't like it, this was a finale. This was a great pivotal moment to take this character that we've all loved because I loved all the other Wolverine movies. And then I saw in that light, this was his finale. This was his final undoing. The antimanium ended up being his final poison, even though it was his greatest tool. And it made sense this time. It didn't make sense to me before, even though I've been a fan. And so when I looked at it with those type of eyes and understanding the character, the arc, the growth, the story, the the director, and all these plots, it made more sense. And then I got behind it. And so now I look and I say, okay, this was a pretty dang good movie. I can't believe I missed up on it before. Yeah, no, I'm going to have a hard time following that. That was that was well said. Um, I, I, I saw this movie in the theater, I, and I enjoy it, um, but not in the way I do a lot of films. Like my kind of the, the way I would sum it up is that it's a thrilling gut punch. Like there are moments that I'm like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Some great comic book action. And there's some just phenomenal uh, acting and some, some very emotional beats. But it is at several points. It's, it's kind of hard to watch in certain ways because it's so heavy. And thank goodness there are little bits of levity in it, like I mentioned. Uh, and Justin, I want to echo what you said, too, about the fact that it, it feels very disconnected from a lot of other X-Men media, even just like the more recent movies. And like they were making X-Men movies almost every other year uh, at this point. And so it feels disconnected because of, you know, the setting's very different. Like it's not in a big metropolitan city. It's also far, far in the future. But I, what I found interesting this time, and I, I watched it with the subtitles on, is how much of the dialogue and some of the voiceover and stuff puts it squarely in the continuity and kind of pieces those things together. And I think those are probably there just because you don't need them to enjoy the movie. The movie kind of just works on its own, even if you didn't see any of the other films. Uh, but if you're into that connectivity, it is there if you're, if you're looking for it. Yeah, I thought they did a great job like with the continuity because the X-Men universe as it stands is a little bit of a mess between X-Men <laughs> First Class, the original three, yeah. and then like Days of Future Past with the time travel and all that stuff. It gets, it gets a little wonky. Um, and this one kind of alludes to existing in the same universe as all of those, but it never really like defines a specific, oh, it's this timeline or it's this timeline because it doesn't really matter. It's, it's not about that. It's about Logan that exists in this universe who was educated by Charles, um, who was a member of the X-Men and that, and that's about it. The continuity stuff kind of, kind of fades away, which is almost nice for a superhero movie because I know a lot of people, I mean, us included, uh, watch Mm -hmm. superhero movies with a critical eye and Okay, how well does this align? Did they did they address this plot point? And this movie just kind of just like that stuff happened. Right. This is its does own it? story. Yep. I was under the assumption that this X Men Future Past had kind of wiped away and would reset the timeline, and Logan was kind of the end of this timeline, so that you could you could say this was a X Men Days of Future Past had kind of rewrote X Men X One One X Men Two. And so we were kind of were on a different, but maybe it's not in my head. It made more sense, which is why to explain that Logan had the mutants all 
no more mutants were born was that somehow a plan had put in place to keep mutants from being born. Like in the movie X, uh, was it X2 that did that on Alcatraz? Well, well they mentioned in here uh, at, the, at the very end, the, um, uh, what's his name? Stricker? Stryker. No, uh, well, no, in, in this one. Um, oh, Rice? Stryker? Dr. Rice? Yeah, Xander, Dr. Rice. Thank Z- you, Craig. Xander Rice, yeah. Xander Rice uh, mentions how he like had been using food for generations to kind of like yeah. biologically engineer the mutant gene out of people. Right. And so in my head, I thought, this was a different timeline. Maybe I'm wrong. I might be wrong because I, 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 I don't that know it, that this was a different timeline yep. and overwrote the other one where they were trying to inject mutants with the the taking away the mutant powers. Oh, I see. I mean, you know what I mean? And yeah. So, oh, in, in X3, you're talking about X3. Where, yeah. 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 If that movie doesn't make it into the timeline, I'm not sad about it. <laughs> but that's a great thing about this. Like you mentioned, like it doesn't honestly matter like you could wrap your like is it you know an offshoot of the rebooted franchise is it continuing from the original timeline is it continuing from days of future past it doesn't really matter it's not this movie is not concerned with canon at all which no. is yes pretty pretty refreshing but it doesn't break any of it at the same time exactly not i mean i'm sure i'm sure somebody <laughs> with a fine tooth comb could go over it and figure that out but yeah um, see but that's what made me appreciate this movie this time justin was it didn't Right, canon. It didn't get hung up on this canon thing, and it focused on the end of Logan's arc and the yep. end of his story. And I think that's the part that got me. And this is my fan theory. This is a different type of fan theory because I believe Craig, oh, you're so early in college class. <laughs> yes, we're, we're ten minutes in, Corey. <laughs> this is a this is not a funny show. This is like Craig said, it's not a comedy. There were a couple witty lines and stuff. But it's a very heavy finale ending to a loved character, right? And so you get this closure to wrap up his story and his arc and say goodbye because Hugh Jackman can't do it forever, uh, except for Deadpool 3. And so <laughs> it's a final chapter to this story that us fans love. And we and I'm gonna just cross over a bit. We never got that with DC characters in the Snyderverse. Cavill mm-hmm. and Ben Affleck, we never got a closure to their stories. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why people get so mad is they don't get a closure and we just get a reboot and a reset. And it's so hard to just move forward because I got invested in the character. I was invested in Logan. I was invested in Batfleck. I was invested in Cavill. And I got closure with Logan this time. And I thought, wow, that's a great way to write my guy out of the story and to say goodbye. Yeah. And I never got goodbye with the other two. And it frustrates me and i think that's where fans sometimes we got to learn beyond the stories all these things that craig brings in here composition color camera work music all these things and then you start to appreciate little things because sometimes we don't get that closure that we need well i think we see that in the mcu too um kind of a similarly frustrating effect as the dceu but not for the same reason like the dceu you get closure or i'm sorry the mcu you get closure because Captain America ages out, Iron Man dies. But then the MCU just kind of continues, and you're like, wait right. a second, no, <laughs> no, yeah. we were done. Uh, leave on a high note. And then, but with Logan, that it has essentially been like the latest movie in the timeline. Right. And that's, that's been, that's been great. That's yeah. been and they've even show. said, you know, Feige's said, I think it's been Feige, but some people working on, on Deadpool 3 have said that this, Deadpool 3 will happen before this. Right. Uh, yeah, the, I kind of kind of assumed. No, right. Yeah, that's the safe assumption because of how far in the future that it's set that this part will always be the finale of that character's arc. 
Mm-hmm. And so even if it, there's other movies that come after or that are released after, they're still set before. So. I do think it's so great as well for Logan that he can, because he's been, Hugh Jackman's been playing Logan since two, that, the year 2000. This came out in 2017. So mm-hmm. for 17 years, he's been playing Logan. Like he is Logan. Um, like he, he is the Wolverine. And just the fact that he can still have a character arc, that he can still have character growth after all that time yeah. in, in like a very meaningful way too. Um, like he is still struggling with so much of the same things he was struggling with previously. Like there's a few moments in there where you can see that he's like, he's almost like trying to process his emotions or process his grief. And sometimes he like leans into it and he's able to process those things, especially towards the end with X 23 or Laura, um, as, as he's dying, he's able to like show love for her. But then earlier in the movie, like say when Charles died, he's after he, he buries Charles, he's trying to like, struggle to be sad and like say some profound words and he just gives up he like gives into his rage he walks off and like wrecks the truck and smashes it with the with the shovel um so i mean 17 years and this guy is still you still see like that that wolverine rage that primal rage Mm -hmm. and you still see that close-up shot of like him mentally trying to overcome that so let's go ahead and and dig into uh, cinematography and start to see if we, what things we can kind of pull out to look for for deeper meaning in this film. And Justin, I'm going to continue with you. What did you notice? Composition, color, cam work, anything that popped out to you in these most recent viewings? Uh, so I'm gonna so I'm going first. I'm gonna take the easy one. Uh, I think the like just like the the bleak, gritty tone of the movie. Like, not only does Logan feel tired, but the world feels tired people feel tired. Like you can tell there's just kind of like strife going on in the world. There's just like a ton of desert shots and things look, look dried out. People look dried out. People look, uh, tired. It's just like a very harsh, it's a harsh dystopian society almost, but not so dystopian that it feels foreign to the viewers. Like everything in that movie still very much felt like this is the world I live in maybe 10 years from now. Um, we'll see how well that ages, uh, maybe over a decade or so. Um, but right now, like it's, it's a pretty, pretty stark contrast to most of their superhero movies, which are usually a little bit more vibrant. Oh, okay. I was going to finish. Yeah, no, I, I'm just, I'm going to jump in real fast and go to Corey, but I did notice that too, with the color that at least at the beginning, it's pretty desaturated, almost like, like a Snyder yeah, that's film. That's a good word. Um, but then I also noticed that um, when Laura shows up at the the water tank, whatever Logan's where he's living, I can't really call it his house. Like it's different. The lighting is 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 much more natural, and the colors mm. feel a lot more natural. At that point, like it was just this time through, it was kind of shocking because I was like keeping track, like oh wow, this is really desaturated. I'm going to pay really close attention to that, and then it was like, wait a minute, it's not desaturated anymore. That's interesting. Doesn't that just kind of like the the whole opening sequence, um, especially when they're at like Logan's living place and and the whole fight there? I just want to like take a shower after. I just felt so like dusty and dirty. <laughs> like, yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna jump in with that composition because I think I think it this movie had a very post apocalyptic feel to it. Very dusty, 
very uh, Mad Max kind of. There's still some modern conveniences taking place, but it's a dirty, rough edge where he's at. He's out in the desert. Obviously, he's trying to keep Charles away from populated places because of his seizures. And and so you don't actually see what the world looks like that they're living in and what it is. You still get some glimpses where he's driving this this uh, – he's a chauffeur for this limo. And I'm a little shocked by it because he's got cuts and things bleeding everywhere. I'm like, my gosh, what kind of limo driver, you know, looks like he just got beat <laughs> up in a back alley and turns around and taking everybody on these, you know, also, fancy limo like, rides. I feel like as a limo driver, you have to be pretty customer service oriented and like yes. pretty friendly and outgoing. And I'm like, <laughs> no, oh, dude, out of all the jobs, why are you like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want yeah, to be that's a little the one. Shy. Like, if anybody's going to be a customer service, uh. it's Logan. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I, 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 I would feel like, like it was I would like muted. them to release a short, t- just explaining how he got that job. <laughs> I was short of like all his other jobs that he had first, right? He's like, yeah, maybe, fast maybe, food, maybe just maybe. like a montage of him like failing and stuff. <laughs> uh, so the thing with the limo, I want to jump in composition wise. Is I love that the very first shot of the film is just his old face, just close up on his old face. Like he just looks tired. And then shortly after that, um, you know, he gets out of the car and then he gets knocked down severely. Uh, he falls, he gets shot, you know, by the carjackers. And then while he's laying prone, the, the film title is super, is superimposed over his body. Like he's lying down and then there's the title, which is not a heroic pose, but it's also kind of, foreshadowing in a way like his yeah you know, his, the final shot will also be logan lying in state uh, so i thought that was fascinating that you just start with that like him on his back is this is how this movie starts um well and kind of the first introduction we have to him as well is he he's clearly not like wanting to start a fight he gets out of his limo and he's like listen guys you're just gonna strip them they're chrome plated like he doesn't yeah. want to fight he's trying to reason with them and the world yeah. just won't let him the poor guy <laughs> it's just like i'm tired i want to take a nap uh, a couple other things i really liked this time through uh i love that you pointed that out though um is when uh when x24 shows up the the logan clone yeah, the way that, that shot the lighting being you know it's super dark and we don't get to see the full character we we the, the camera just keeps zooming in and more and more on on Charles as he's talking and we have to assume and I think the first time I saw it I didn't quite think that was right cuz the timing didn't quite work out that it was Logan that was actually back but I love how it's literally in the dark and leaving the audience in the dark about what's actually going to happen and that there's a whole other character there thought that was great and I mean, I have to pull out. The, I talked a little bit about the final shot of of Logan's grave, but also you have to point out, you know, the fact that Laura takes the cross and turns it sideways, and so you have that X at the final shot too, which is yeah, pretty that's, fitting. That's fantastic. Yeah. A couple other things um, that I thought were just really interesting was uh, the dining room scene at the Munsons. The lighting in there is so minimal; it's kind of, again, kind of in the dark. Uh, again, metaphorically, like they have no idea what, what's about to happen to them, but it's kind of interesting. Like it's a dining room. Why, why are the lights so dark in this, in this house? Um, but again, a lot of foreboding and also trying to save money, Craig, (laughs) maybe, uh, but it also, um, yeah, this movie is dark thematically. And so that kind of hits you with that as well. 
Uh, the camera work, though, I wanted to point out that there's a lot of very close, kind of intimate shots, even though this is yeah. in a lot of forms, it's kind of an action movie. A lot of stuff is like from the waist or even above. A lot of the interactions are, there's not a lot of wide shots in this. The fight scenes are so visceral, though. Right? And there's a lot of shaky cam in the fight scenes as well. But you just feel it as much as you can feel a, a visual experience. I, I enjoyed, I feel like whenever shaky cam is brought up, people brought up the, the Bourne movies with, uh, mm. what's his, what's the guy's name? Jason. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. J- I, I wanted to say Jason Derulo, but that's way off. Um, <laughs> so I feel like anytime someone brings up shaky cam, like the prime example of what not to do are those, are those Bourne movies. And I feel like Logan can, has like perfected that shaky cam. You can still very much tell what's going on, but you feel like you're in the middle of the fight. And they reduce the frame rate as well. I noticed quite a bit to make everyone look like they're moving quite a bit faster. And that's a lot of fun, Mm -hmm. especially with X-23. Like, I don't know how fast that girl is moving, uh, but I can't imagine she's moving that fast in real life because she's like, what, 12 or something? Um, But she just, she looks very fluid and very quick. And she's just like flipping around those guys and whipping around. And you see like, you see like a young ferocity that Wolverine might've had that, you know, he, we, we don't really ever get to see him that young except for in, uh, what movie did we see? That? Oh, it was the, the Wolverine. I think when we saw him that yeah. young, but we, we didn't even really like see him do a whole lot there. Like he stabbed one guy. Um, so it's, it's fun to see that just to see how slow and calm and subdued Wolverine has had to become because of his old age and maybe his temperament. And she is just, she's just feral. And there's, there's like moments where she shows that same feralness and it kind of shows character growth for Logan because she gets frustrated. Like when she sees Charles's dead body in the the back of the truck, she just starts like screaming uncontrollably and he has to calm her down. Like at that point he's like, Oh man, I'm, I'm the adult in the room. I got to start adulting. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I, I think, I will say, as far as the fight scenes and some of that stuff go, the berserker rage that he goes into is pretty amazing. We get to see that Logan oh, scream again and then just running through bad guys, chopping, swiping, chopping, swiping, and going. And, and kind of that his even has his brother Victor's animalistic lean out and run and jump, uh, kind of like a full sprint four-legged animal in the forest when he's chasing after those bad guys. And so I feel like they do a great job kind of giving us one last hurrah of Logan Wolverine lit rage. Yeah. And then it was cool. Although if you step back, it's kind of weird. His daughter and him, although I I still struggle with the idea that that's his daughter, right? It's just a clone kind of thing. But uh, his daughter and him fighting and he says, get behind me. And then she steps over top of him. (laughs) And jumps like and just continues to take out bad guys ahead of him. <laughs> and I kind of thought, in a sense, that's artistic view of that's what's taking place. She's the leap from behind, leaping forward. Ooh. And he's he's gone uh-huh. now, so she's the next step. To where this story ends for him could have been a new arc for her. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to just continue to build on on what you guys are talking about with, with her fighting and to speak of it in terms of, of the camera angles, because that first scene uh, where she's taken on the Reavers inside the building there, 
the camera is moving so much and it's it's amazing because she's so much shorter than they are that the angles become really extreme like the high angles because you have to look way down to see her and then from her perspective it's way up they're really really uh, dramatic shifts in those just bird's eye it's it's really quick the editing in this film is, is fantastic mm-hmm. uh and then just one other one that i wanted to point out that i just had never noticed before which i thought was interesting we're talking about this character growth uh, or for Logan, is that from what I could see, there was really, well, the first time, I don't know, there might be other ones, but the first time I see kind of the traditional low angle looking up at Logan, kind of like, yes, this is someone we should be looking up to. He's in good standing, is right after he stands up to those guys that come uh, there, you know, the waters, they have to turn the water on. And then Jackson is the guy who uh, he breaks his shotgun, right? He comes in there and he just grabs it and snaps it. And then the camera pulls back and you just have this low angle looking up like, yes, he is now doing something heroic for somebody else. He's kind of taking his rightful place in this, uh, which I thought was kind of an interesting statement because most of it is just straight at eye level. Uh, but there, that one shot was low. It's kind of cool. I feel like there, there have been other moments throughout the franchise where um, Logan has been placed in a place of um, like someone to look up to. Like uh, several moments, he's, he's kind of the, the older group at um xavier's school and a lot of the younger kids look up to him and he's always kind of like rejected that role of being looked up to and he always like fails to be looked up to like he he almost like intentionally pushes it away in the same way that he's pushing it away in this movie and it's not until the very end that part where Corey brought up where he says get behind me where i feel like okay he has finally earned this like mantle of someone to be looked up to like he is now protector Whereas even in X2, uh, when he goes on the little side adventure with Pyro and uh, Iceman and Rogue, he still very much seems like he doesn't know what he's doing. Like he's kind of fumbling through it and he's not someone to be looked up to yet. But at this point, he is, he is the father figure. He is the mentor to, to Laura. And I, I think, mm-hmm. again, I after, have... after 17 years, the fact that he can still have some character growth, that is, that's awesome. Yeah, I, my when we get to quotes, my quote is going to be connecting that same thought. So don't let me forget that. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and talk about uh, the sound now. Sound effects, the soundtrack, which I think is very interesting. Vocal sounds, which I have one thing for that. What do you guys have for that? And either one of you guys can just jump in. I thought I thought some of his uh, his limo driving scenes and things were very dreamlike. There wasn't a whole lot of content. And, and development it was just like a dream sequence he's driving and it quickly changes from one passenger to another type of passenger mm. as if he's just going through the motions and days and days have passed and and i kind of thought that sound of that was very uh kind of hallucinatic a little bit like you're it's almost as if you're just it's passing through you and it's just filling until i get to the next part where there's some conversation and he engages in a conversation about Charles or something going on. So I thought those sounds in there were very noticeable to me that they were not, they weren't necessarily super crisp and loud and, but very, I, I don't know. It's very uh, dreamlike is the only way mm-hmm. for me to describe that part. Yeah. Like he's sleepwalking through his job. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Sleepwalking through this regular Joe job and life that he was doing. Justin. I, 
Every time we get to like sound and music, Craig, I just feel like it's a huge flex for you. And we kind of just sit there looking like idiots. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. I'm, I could be humbled every other week. Um, I want to know with sound and folly, what are they doing to making those stabby noises? Oh yeah. The, well, they're like bloody now. No, really. Just, do you know? I want to know what they're doing behind the scenes. It is disgusting and wonderful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's very fantastic. The fact that they can they can get all those in there. Um, in terms of, are we, are we on to music yet? Can I talk about yeah, music? Absolutely. The, the yeah. Score. Um, I love Johnny Cash, and so that there is not a whole lot of a soundtrack to this movie. Like no. it, it it uses silence as as the soundtrack more so than anything. But the couple notes that you do get every once in a while, uh, it's. Johnny Cash's cover of Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. And that song, I actually didn't know it was a cover of, of Nine Inch Nails. I thought it was an original Johnny Cash. So that tells you what I know. Um, but that song is just such a sad song, but it's also just a perfect song for this movie. Like it talks about um, how like, you know, he's growing old and he's he hurts himself just to feel something. And that... Um, like he's lived his whole life and all he has at the end is just some empire of dirt and everyone he's loved has kind of like faded and died. And I'm just like, Oh my goodness, that's Logan, that poor man <laughs> who's been alive since like the early 1800s and has just lived through everyone. Like, it's funny to watch like the, the urgent care doctor or Charles kind of like mentor him and, and not talk down to him, but they are like a, a father figure to him, but he's like double their age at yep. least like right. that. Oh, just poor Logan. He's so like, yes, his body regenerates. Yes. He can live a long life, but mentally he has just got to be so tired, just living way too long. And I, I just thought the, that Johnny cash song is just so perfect. And the fact that they just pull out a few little notes to kind of remind you of this guy is hurting on the inside. This guy yeah, he's sick. That adamantium is poisoning him, but like, so is his long life. So is his like depression. Poor Ooh, guy. That's lovely. Okay, I'm gonna flex now. Right? Is it time to flex? Ah, yep. shut up, Craig. Flex, Craig. <laughs> hey, Here if, we go. if you are listening to this on your podcast app, you could just hit the skip button. No, this is where you take out the notes and you start scribbling because this is the college uh, course that I was talking about. Go this, ahead. Look, just, this is just such a good. It's just such a good movie. Like I had the thing with the bloody puncture sounds too. I love that so much. And one of the moments, it, I, I don't know what this says about me, but the thing that kind of made me chuckle was when. Uh, when Laura's taking down those reavers off screen, when they come in to get her, and then she later comes out with the head. Is um, that's funny too, right? But there's like echoey screams and gunfire. I love the sound design because you don't get to see it, but mm-hmm. you can just picture how much she's just destroying them. It's it's, it's the Wampa in the ice cave for yeah. for Star Wars Episode Five. Like, yeah. it's better if you don't see it. Your imagination exactly. yeah. fills in the blanks. Uh, yeah, I, I love some. They're, they're, they did this once on an early episode of A Person of Interest, where Jim Caviezel's character did that. He walked into like a bar or a gun shop or something and all you heard was him just kicking ass and it was like and he came out and everybody else was dead um yeah as far as soundtrack goes the the piano just super stripped down melancholy piano was like the theme for logan like completely opposite of this rousing symphonic scores that we're used to hearing Uh, yeah so those notes are from 
Johnny Cash's song, Hurt. Like it's just yeah. lifted right from it, as far yeah, as I that, understand. Oh, that's fantastic. See, I you I didn't have that. So that's see, you're flexing, Justin. Look at that. Because I was like, I did it. I leveled yeah. up. Yeah, there you go. Because there's Johnny Cash at the end too, right? The man comes around over the end credits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple other things that I really liked was uh, there's a couple of diegetic songs that one is, I think, kind of on the nose and the other one's very much not. And uh, I remember that it was in one of the early trailers, like when they go into the convenience store, there's Jim Croce playing. Uh, The name's I Got a Name. It's really mellow and just kind of makes you feel good. And it's the scene where, you know, she's going to shoplift unknowingly and then she's going to like kill that guy. And Logan has to like, not okay. <laughs> just I mean, I mean, that was one of the like, yep. early trailers. We're like, this is kind of interesting. You see this little kid walking through the store and hearing Jim Croce, everything's fine, and it's really not. Um, I, I love how he just has like zero clue how to parent. <laughs> not no, I, okay. I know I that you shouldn't kill this guy, but I don't know how to approach that with you. <laughs> um, and then the other one I thought was real. I had I just put Soundhound down while this was playing. He goes in the bar when he's waiting for the new truck after they have the the, the thing at the casino, and uh, it's called "Find My Way." It's by Grant Lee Phillips, and it's like if you look at the lyrics, it's literally about like trying to be a better man. Like it's like right there. He's sitting in this yeah, country I never that. Yeah, it's right there. Um, so that's kind of fun. Um, but the end battle um, with X twenty four, it's got like harmonica and stuff it sounds like a western film like this is very much leaning into hey this is western influenced yeah. sometimes they hit you over the head with that like when they're again in the casino watching shane yeah right and then it, she it's very much like hey in case you didn't pick up on this detail yeah. we're gonna watch a western in the movie <laughs> we're doing a western it's kind of like shane see um we're even gonna pull from it which is fine uh but this was the thing i was really i thought was cool was after the casino thing happens and they're leaving. Um, and I only got this because I had the uh, the subtitles on. Uh, there's a newscaster that's talking on the radio. And we'd heard allusions to Westchester and what had happened with Charles. But we'd only get the actual details in the newscast. Um, because it says, uh, that we, of course, Westchester's where the X-Mansion is. It says it was a little over a year ago where seven mutants and several X-Men were killed. Like, I would like that information. Thank you. But it comes in such an interesting package. It's kind of, you know, a way you can kind of slip it in where, again, it doesn't, like we said earlier, it doesn't really, the details don't matter for the story itself. We just need to know that something happened that was bad. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I, I, fan, I do like I wanted they, to know. They go, they breeze right over it, but they at least say, yes, these are, this is what happened to the characters you loved. Well, and then Charles admits so that, sad. right? Yeah. It's so, it's so sad. He like finally remembers. He's like, ah, yeah. I killed my, I killed my students. Yeah. I, that's it's yeah right before he dies he kind of it all kind of comes back right in the months and cells yeah yeah so as as a fan and as a nerd like i wanted to know the actual details of that and so it's nice to kind of get that but you as a casual fan you don't need it and you won't find it if you're not watching i mean clearly if i'm watching it with the subtitles on i'm a little bit more intently watching than yeah um but yes let's talk about performance core you had something that you wanted to say about dialogue well, and I, I think uh, it kind of really summed up Logan, his attitude. This whole movie was kind of a, he's in the death throes and he knows it. He admits it. He's embracing it. He's the last of the X-Men. 
And I think he's, his quote was, nature made me a freak, man made me a weapon, and God made it last too long. And I thought, I thought that was a powerful quote because it was kind of a, he's ready to go, but he's also this epic character who needs to go out with something, with a purpose. He can't just fade off and die off and old age and fade out, you know, it's sick. He's, he's going to make his stand and make his Wolverine last minute ditch effort to, to stand up and do who he is. And that involved his berserker rage, but then also standing up for the kids, which is my next quote that I'll get to, but I'll let you guys go next. Justin, did you have a quote that you wanted to share? Um, I do have a quote because I thought it was such, um, it was just, a solid line from Laura to kind of take a jab at Logan. Um, it was so after it was at night, they were up on that mountain right before the final battle. He's she's there with all the kids. Um, and he's trying to like convince her that he can't help her any longer. And he's kind of down in the dumps, I think cause, cause Charles just died. Down in the dumps is probably too nice of a term for what he's feeling. He's <laughs> depressed. Um, but he's very adamant. Hey, adamant. Adamantium. <gasps> Look what you just did. Wow. Okay. Um, he's very adamant. Uh, and he says, it is better this way because I suck at this. Bad shit happens to people I care oh, about. Yeah. And then Laura responds, mm. then I'll be fine. And I'm just oh, like, yeah. oh. Ooh. So glad you wrote that down. So that much. hurts. That hurts. <laughs> Yikes. Um, and then the other dialogue that I really like, and it's it's just kind of a whole scene, so I'm not going to quote it, but right after he gets out of the urgent care and they're sitting in the car and he he first finds out that, that she can speak, and they're kind of arguing with each other. Um, and and just, just how adamant. There's that word again. Yes. Um, she is about like, no, like you are going to take us here. We paid you. You're going to, you're going to do what I want. He is. I love how he fights, fights, fights. And he's like, no, 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 no. And then eventually he's like, fine. And he just drives away and goes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's just such like an old tired man. He's like, I'm yeah. not going to, I'm not uh, going to argue with you. Yeah. I love it. It's, it's fantastic. And then I think at some point she punches him right in the face. She does. So, <laughs> he's like, don't hit me. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Uh, she's uh, a fantastic actress. She's not. I was looking at her IMDb, IMDb page, and she's not in a whole lot, but she does a a great job. Yeah, I hope she's in Deadpool three. That would be one That would be wonderful. That would be pretty. She's she's older now though. Yeah, she's like eighteen. I looked I looked it up. Oh, yeah. I, I well, assumed. I guess she would have been older than that. But yeah, okay. Yeah, Millie Bobby Brown was up for that role as well. Ooh, I could see that. Eleven. That makes yeah, a lot, yeah. Mm-hmm. it actually does. Um, First thing I'm going to say is uh, there's a lot of F-bombs in this movie, yep. which at first was a little bit jarring because I'd seen Wolverine so many different times in other movies and not heard him drop F-bombs. Charles drops some F-bombs. No, um, Logan I'm, drops one F-bomb. Oh, it was only one? In a Days, in days of Future Pass. Oh, Wait, okay. or is it that one? Yeah, I get I get kind of those those ones. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. First class. First class, yeah. First, they, in they, the, approach, in the bar. they approach him in the bar, and he's like, in F-bomb. the bar. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Okay, but but the quote I'm going to say, I'm not going to drop the f bomb, but I'll, I'll I'll get close to it. Um, it's where they're they're driving before they meet the uh, the Munsons, uh, and they're on the freeway, and there's all those auto trucks. And he says, "Mother frickin' auto trucks!" And then Charles says, "Language, Logan!" And you're screaming at a machine. 
says, oh, what? So she can gut a man with her feet? She can't hear a few naughty words, huh? He says, she can learn to be better. You mean better than me. Actually, yes. I just love that exchange. It was just kind of funny. Again, some little bit of levity, but also at the end there, there is a little bit of like, you have to be an example to her Uh because she does not have to be, which is my last quote too, which I'll get to. Like, you don't have to be what you were supposedly created for. Yep. You can't, you get to choose. So. All right. I, I I like Charles just in general in this because he seems to be very aware that, um, like he even says it right at the beginning. He's like, what a disappointment you are. Oh, yeah. It's kind of a harsh line, but he, he's oh. aware. He's like, you have made this choice. But kind of once he is a little bit more uh, clear-headed, like some of the meds wear off, I think, he's a lot more straightforward with uh, Logan and a lot more like to himself. He is Charles Xavier once again, or Professor Xavier. And up until the moment that he dies, he is still trying to like teach Logan lessons like right before he goes to sleep on his final night he says that thing about like this is this is what it feels like you should take some time and and appreciate what's going on here like he's Mm -hmm. he's a teacher at heart he's still doing it like as he says chemically castrated and he's still he's still going for it go ahead Corey. okay so i'm gonna go with this next one here and i think this summarizes kind of logan for me his this is the end of the character the final chapter that i saw and this quote's going all the way back to X-Men Wolverine Origins. X-Men Origins. X-Men. What was the title of that? X-Men, X-Men Origins Wolverine. X-Men oh, Origins those, Wolverine. Those titles get so It's crazy. an awful title, yeah. And right after he got shot with the Animanium bullet that gave him amnesia, Gambit comes up to him, saves him, right? And Gambit comes up to him and says the very first words out of his mouth, you're safe now. Come on. We have to go. Come on. Let's go. The kids are safe. That's the first words that he hears from his, I have amnesia and I don't remember anything. And then you fast forward here. We are all these years later. He dies on that tree. And the whole point was the kids are safe. And so I felt like to me, this is where I, I embraced the story and said, okay, this was a good movie and an end to the character because I saw this as, the kids are safe was the beginning of his new memories. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the kids are safe, which is the end of his chapter and his stories. And I thought, oh, what a great, powerful way to book in it. I don't know if that's an intentional thing, but it's something that me as a fan, I draw out of. And I and the only reason I know that is because <laughs> Origins was on a couple nights before I watched this. And I was just watching this little fight, final fight between him and uh, Ryan Reynolds and Victor, where they were fighting on top of that nuke tower. Mm-hmm. And I watched that and that line came to me and I said, oh my gosh, that's the kids are safe. So if you wake up and someone says to you, hey, the kids are safe. It's okay. We got to go. You're thinking to yourself, I saved kids. Yep. And so his whole arc and everything after that has been, I save kids. I am I do what's right. Even though it's messy and I do it like they're not going to like what you've done to this place. That was the other comment he said. And that's kind of been Wolverine the whole time. Nobody's going to like what you've done to this place. But in the end, you save kids. And so well, that's a powerful I, I, character arc. Yeah. I, I need to watch X-Men Origins Wolverine again. Just that part. And you'll like, see. And if you think of it in terms. <laughs> and the Wolverine. But I need to watch them all again. But, uh, you yeah, do. That, but if that you watch that, that movie part better, Corey. And you hear that gambit line, you think oh. to yourself, now think of his ending. The kids that's are safe. Cool. You can die and be done. Nice. 
So speaking of, of Logan's ending here, uh, this is not an original idea by me. This is from the internet. I want to know your guys' thoughts. I remember this being like a big deal when the movie came out. So in 2013, when the Wolverine came out, which I don't think was reviewed very well, but I, I liked it. That's, that's the I liked one it too. In Japan. He, you know, yeah, in, in Japan. And he, he goes through that whole thing. Um, so Yukio can like basically see when people are going to die. Like that's, that's mm. her power. So she says to Logan, and I pulled up the quote here. Uh, it's, it's not like I get a, cause she sees how Logan's going to die. It's not like I get a complete picture, more like looking through a keyhole, but I'm always right. All I can see is one part of a person's life, their death. And I saw yours. I see you on your back. There's blood everywhere. You're holding your own heart in your hand. So at the end of the Wolverine, Ooh. that that is true. He he is lying there because they took the, his heart out uh, to to like take his healing powers, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think everyone just assumed that's that's his death. That's what Yukio saw. But right. in this movie, he's lying on his back. There's blood everywhere, yep. and he's holding his heart in his hand. So yes, people have interpreted that to like his daughter. Yes, metaphorical. His daughter is his heart, and that's Love how he it. dies. Love it. Was that intentional or is that just a happy coincidence? Well, James Mangold directed both movies and so he would have been the one, he would be the one to ask. Um, so we should get him on the show. We James should get him Mangold, on the show. If you're, if you're listening. Doing? But um, I'm asking you guys, do you think it was intentional? <laughs> I him. think it's an, I Call think him. it's, a, I, think it's a, I think it's a Joe incidence with a C. Gotcha. Joe incidents. I, I, I do. But I like the med- uh, but I, it works. Yeah, because like, because as soon as you started saying that, my heart, I was like, he's holding his daughter. I'm good. Yep, yep. I I thought that was, that was which nice. leads into my last quote too, because you know he has it's a long thing, so I'll just cut it out. But he basically he says, and I alluded to this earlier. He says, listen, you don't have to fight anymore. Don't be what they made you. And then like you're dead inside if the next part doesn't get you a little bit. Where she says, daddy. Oh. Oh. And then he says, so this is what it feels like, which alludes back to your earlier point, guys, about you know, what Charles says. Like, you got to embrace what's happening here. Feel what, feel what this is. Yeah, that's, you know, he finally learns that like, he has there's nothing left to learn at that point, right? He's, he's ready to go. So I had a question about that part, too. I have it even in my notes. I was going to ask about that. So when he says, this is what the, it is. What does it say? What is it? This is what, this is what it, it feels, feels like. like. It's what it feels this like. What it feels like. Yep. Um, is he talking about death or is he talking about like having someone he cares about? Second one. That's what I got. Second one. Family. Hmm. Loving someone. Hmm. Yeah. Belonging to somebody. I thought it was the first, but now I think it's the second. Well, I'm going to go with both. Cool. Well, just, I mean, because the quote from Charles is very similar and so i think that especially since it's in the same movie that that is he's referring back to although he wasn't in that scene so that's interesting because that was that was x24 but it does kind of echo charles's he maybe he'd said it no no it it was logan when charles said like you should take a moment to feel this okay it it was logan so then because when x24 is there logan is lamenting about uh or sorry charles is lamenting about what he did to the x-men right that's like when he puts him puts him to bed and then let me go to get my dad settled. It's that part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. All right. Um, Ooh, I just body got language. The that's, yeah, that's beautiful. So good. It's a good movie. Uh, body language, facial expressions, costumes, hair, makeup. What do we notice for that? Anything that we haven't covered that we need to make oh, sure man, we do? Oh man, makeup. 
with the amount of close-up shots on Logan's face, like it's it's hard to believe that Hugh Jackman is not like a tired looking old man with scars all over his body. Gosh. He looked yeah. great. I mean, he looked awful, but like they did a good job <laughs> making him look awful. <laughs> yes. Agreed. Did he limp any worse? He limped the whole movie. God. Yeah. So good. He had like an old man walk. Oh. Yeah. Everything. It was, it was sad watching him walk sometimes. Yeah. Well, the makeup on Xavier too, because he's in his nineties and it's, it's subtle because he's just got like liver spots and stuff. And a little, mm. he's a little bit more wrinkly. And like Patrick Stewart's kind of just always looked old, yeah. you know, but like if you're watching, at least if you're watching it in high def or, or 4k or whatever, you can start to see it. There's it's subtle, but they have made him look older than he is. Cause I mean, we've seen him now like a few years later, like in Picard season three, or whatever, like he's older, like seven years older than that, but doesn't quite look as old as you know, he does here. So yeah, he, he does a good job of playing like an old senile man too. A nonagenarian, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that line. Uh, one thing I noticed in this time, I for some reason, I've seen this movie multiple times. He actually does get to use his powers in a helpful way in this one. Like you see him calm the horses down where he's really, you know, concentrating, he closes his eyes. And it's a moment we'd seen countless other times in the earlier X-Men movies. But I thought that was kind of cool. I think it's the one time where he's like legitimately in control of his power. Yeah. Uh, old Jedi mind trick. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We talked about a lot of this stuff. I thought really interesting. Um, Pierce's neck tattoo. I got a really good look at it this time. It's Here's a what I'm talking. skull with uh, two yeah, swords, wasn't it? It but is. I thought at first I thought it was Hydra. Yeah, it's the skull and crossbones. So like, dude's a pirate. Yeah. A little bit on the nose, but kind of cool. You know, th- this with is Captain unrelated. Arm. Yeah, this, this is a little unrelated, but uh, that's a good one too, Corey. I'm I'm a little irritated. So when they're in the casino and Charles is having the seizure and Logan's walking around stabbing people in the face, um, <laughs> yes. why would their bodies still be standing after he stabs them? So you have that great moment when it stops and they all fall. Yeah, uh, but if he <laughs> puts three claws through their brain, uh, like Charles is not... Uh, telekinetic he's only telepathic he can't hold things up with his mind so why wouldn't those bodies immediately drop to the floor when they're dead i I got the feeling that they were it was the vibration that he was giving off that was just kind of holding everything in place but i don't i don't know if he's actually giving a vibration i think like it's it's not vibrating the room it's vibrating the people because he's messing with their brains and see i took it as it was vibrating the entire hotel he doesn't have that power he's not telekinetic I don't know. Well, okay. All right. No, I hear, I hear what you're saying. That's, I'll, I'll let it go. I, I mean, visually, you get that great, like, relief. Yeah. That, or whatever it falls. But yes, logistically, that's a great question. I would. It was, it was a cool it scene, does, but then you think about especially it. Especially like, Wolverine has to use his claws to walk down the hallway. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. I'd love to hear if a listener knows more about that. I'd, I'd yeah. love to hear. Oh, I read that. Oh, oh, you mean specifically why why yeah. they didn't just drop. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I did read, though, that, that scene where he's walking down the hallway uh the the crew tied a rope to his waist and was actively pulling Hugh Jackman back uh-huh. in that scene to make it look like he was struggling to walk. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh I wanted to point out too X24 looks a lot like Sabretooth from X-Men Origins like the way he's yes, that had like to be his, intentional too. Right? His haircut and his clothing is Oh no, totally. It was very reminiscent of that. 
of that character. Uh, you know, I think in that of Liam Schreiber, yeah, he X twenty four was very much more feral, more uh, animalistic, mm-hmm. kind of servient to uh, whoever his master was. Because then, right, when he yeah. sees that guy dead, he goes into a berserker rage. And I think if you think about it, before Logan got shot in the head with the animanium bullet and then kind of became who he was, he had to become a new person. That's kind of who Logan would have been, is very feral, very angry, very soldier doing whatever his master told, you know, kind of told him. So I feel like X-24 was kind of a, you know, if someone could have saved him, he could have become another Logan, but we'll never know. Right. Yeah, Yeah. there's a lot of nature versus nurture. But why doesn't he survive the bullet that Logan does? That's my... That's the one part that threw me, like when she shot him, like half his head's gone. And I was like, oh, that's it. Yeah, I think that's more of an issue with X-Men Origins Wolverine than it is with this movie. Okay. Well, and I don't know if it's ever established that adamantium would negate the healing process either. Sure. Like, so, okay, I'm going to- Well, and he didn't heal the same, did he? Because they had to give him the green stuff. Well, that just made him heal faster because he was pretty messed up. That's yeah. true. So yeah. so in the comics, he still has bones. They're just bones plated with adamantium. And I'm assuming it's the same thing in the movie. So let's say the adamantium bullet takes apart his skull. The adamantium skull, his like bone skull should grow back in its place. Yeah. But I don't understand why his brain tissue wouldn't grow back because yeah. he's been stabbed through the eye multiple times and that's always grown back. I, I think we're probably thinking too much about this, but <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah. it's what we do. Yes, that's that's kind of the whole idea. Uh, anything else for performance before we move on? I think we talked, we talked a lot about, it. I mean, I had the feral thing multiple times with yeah. Laura. She got those big wide eyes and, uh, yeah. Uh, setting design. Um, what I thought was just kind of interesting is that, um, uh, most of it was filmed in either Louisiana or Mississippi or New Mexico, which stands in for old Mexico. Oh, yeah. I, I thought it was kind of a good take to kind of show. It's all desert. It's all forest. It's all hidden away from big cities. Kind mm-hmm. of a a nice way to you could post apocalyptic, or you could say it's just years later and they're on the run, hiding in low populated areas. Yeah, I had something along those lines too. It helps it make it more <clears throat> excuse me a more personal film because you're not going to see whole teams of superheroes yep. like, out in the bayou or whatnot. It's like that's this is not where superhero movies happen. So that also kind of happens separates that and then we talked about it's a western that's why it happens in the desert it kind of looks like a western like visually it's giving you those cues as well as far as props can i just say one thing about the fence that logan tries to drive through with the limo (laughs) such a great scene is this not the first movie that i ever saw where someone tried to drive through a fence and it didn't just like shatter or blow apart and they drove through it it's like all of a sudden the fence became this like aircraft carrier cable that stopped an f for you know f-15 landing on the on the deck or something i mean it's like yeah he stops and he's dragging his whole chain link fence it's like what was that stuff made out of animanium or what you know because that was whatever that fence was would not let them through it yeah that was pretty cool though didn't it like you took out some dudes with that thing yeah he did mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i did make some great scenes i just was huh. curious because every other movie huh. i've ever seen that fence just yeah that was kind of surprising that apart. it was it lent, lends to the i mean heightened realism but uh, realism yeah. i guess uh one thing that when to go down the rabbit hole a little bit the uh 
Liberty Motel Motor Hotel, where he picks up uh, Gabriella and Laura, or he's, he's supposed to. Um, that sign has several letters missing from the word Liberty. Oh, which I thought was yeah. It's like their freedom is very tenuous, just kind of hanging on. So, I mean, there's because there's multiple shots of that sign, so I'm I'm gonna think that's pretty intentional. That's the yeah. way I read it. Um, other props, like how great is it that there's X Men comic books in this movie? I was just gonna bring that up. I literally wrote it down to 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 bring it up. Talk about it, Justin. I was I was just wondering. I go back and forth on um on how I feel about that because it kind of breaks the fourth wall a little bit. But on the the other hand, it it doesn't like he draws attention to the fact that most of it's it's made up. Um, I don't think I like that. I, I I don't think I like that there are comic books in there. I think they could have alluded to the glory days of the X Men. Uh, well, I mean, they did. They did allude to the glory days of the X Men multiple times. Uh, the the main antagonist several times says like, "Oh, I'm a fan of yours," or "Oh, I finally <laughs> got to meet Wolverine." Like he's he's kind of yeah. he's kind of fanboying, and I like it. Um, and I just I don't I don't like that they had the comics in there. I appreciate that they tried, but I I could have done without. Yeah, there's. A, I noticed there's a kid at the end that has like a 12 inch Wolverine action figure, like with the full suit too. Yes. Wait, I, I missed. That. Walked away That's, holding it. Yeah, the the short little uh, the black kid, the kind of heavy set one. Oh. Yeah, I had to go rewind. It's like, is that what I think? Yeah, yep. it was. That's cool. I I feel like it's kind of a neat way because all these movies, you always have these superheroes kind of saving everything. It's why wouldn't we end up building? It's kind of like the boys TV show where yeah they're public figures and they're going to have their own movies. They're going to have their own toy lines or <laughs> I miss the boys, but, but that just wasn't ever the X-Men is my issue is like the X-Men yeah. was always like a stand in for, well, I mean, it's represented different things over time, but it's, it was, it's always been a stand in for like the civil rights movement. Yeah. They uh, weren't yeah. super public in their films either. Right. Not like, no, not like but the they Avengers were, they were hated. Like mutants were never loved that too. And That's a good the fact point. that they've made, comics out of them where people like now idolize them yeah it was I, a decision sure well it's and it's also to kind of uh talk about another another like in the watchman universe you know they they're super real life superheroes and so their comics are pirate comics they don't have and that's the whole logic behind it so since there's superheroes in real life we wouldn't have superhero comics so there's yeah. well, obviously multiple ways of looking at that yeah i'm gonna do that movie at some point yeah, it, uh, it doesn't ruin the film for me. I just, I wasn't a fan. It, I remember that was, some of that was in the trailer too. So it was like, huh, that's interesting. Uh, characters, any characters we haven't talked about that we need to? Um, I feel like we would be amiss if we did not mention, uh, what's his face? Caliban. Yes, thank you. Uh, beware, beware the light. I, that's, a, that's a great, that's a great line to go out on. Oh yeah. Drops the grenades. <laughs> Pretty cool. He was a uh, he was a troubled character, but I like him. They never they say he was IQ. When they the guy looks at him and says, "Save this one, parts yeah. of this one." His IQ is great, and I thought, I don't know, that didn't they alluded to it, but they didn't show it as well. That that creeped me out when he said that. Yeah, a lot. Just like that's all that guy look. He's just looking at a product. Yeah, that was just so. That's Richard Grant, Richard E. Grant as Xander Rice, who's great in everything. Yes, yeah. He so I, I believe it's a different actor, but he uh, Caliban's also in a small scene in yeah. uh, 
X-Men Apocalypse. Yes. They, they were like a year two. apart. Yeah. Yeah. So he, that was, character he was there for a moment. Mm-hmm. But no, I, th- I thought he did a great job. That scene where um, he's kind of being interrogated and they take the tarp away oh, and his face is burning. Brutal. And you yep. just see like the, the spit coming from his mouth. Mm-hmm. He Oof. looks like he's in a massive amount of pain. Um, that, that, that was, that's a rough scene to watch sometimes. Yeah, that's Stephen Merchant, one of the uh, co-creators of the British Office, the original Office. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah. Now that you say that, I see it. Yeah. He's been in a lot of that stuff too. He was in... Um, Oh, what's the move? Uh, Jojo Rabbit. He was in that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's very, very tall. So it's pretty easy to figure out. Um, but yeah, it's relatively small, small cast, honestly. Um, it was interesting seeing Eric, Eric LaSalle. I was a big ER fan back in the day. So seeing him as um, Will Munson, the father of that, of that family. Oh, kind of, yeah. I like, only oh. watched ER when I stayed home sick from school. Wow. That's, we that's are, my only connection to that. <laughs> we are not the same age. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Boyd Holbrook was the one who played Donald Pierce. He, of course, is in the latest Indiana Jones movie as well. I, he's, I think he's much better in this film. Like, I just want to punch that guy in the face so much in this film. And I love what you said, Corey, earlier about like him being a fanboy. Like that gives his character some, you know, it's dynamic. Like he's got different layers to him. Yes. Yeah, and he he kind of strikes you as a guy right at the beginning when he when he walks in or when he sits down in like Logan's limo. Yeah. It's almost like Logan had an opportunity to be a nice guy about this and kind of like maybe even have not an ally, but definitely not an enemy. And Logan just is not having it. He's like, get out, (laughs) get out. Fitting for who he is. I should have wrote it down, but he has that, um, Pierce has that great line about, you know, they thought it was either a a tiger or Freddy Krueger and, it couldn't be that because the one's, one's the, extinct. <laughs> the others in the other fictional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a great line. That yeah. is a great line. And like, I kind of like this guy. And he's got the Southern drawl and whatnot. But he's, yeah. he's horrible. I also want him to die. Yeah. And of course he does. Um, hero's journey. Laura is the new hero. Logan is yeah. the mentor. Wouldn't you think so? I'm going to disagree with that. Like if she ended up having her own show, this would have been Logan would have been the death of the mentor. Justin, I want to hear what you have to say. So I think Charles is the death of the mentor. There it is. And Logan would be the hero because Laura never rejects the call. Right. She's, she's on it from the beginning. Logan rejects Mm -hmm. the call up, up until the end there. Yes. I'm going to say, well, not rejects, but he is, uh, Hesitant, hesitant to the call. Oh, it's 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 doesn't have to be one of the other guys. No, it does because Craig. because <laughs> because part of the hero's journey is that the hero completes their own journey to become a hero and ultimately becomes the mentor for the next generation. And so I think it is both that yes, you do have his mentor. You have Logan's mentor dies, where it enables him. To, he has to be able to one to make those decisions where he does at the end, right? Where he has to decide. You know what? I'm going to die if I take this stuff serum and go try and save these kids but it's the thing i have to do he finally makes the right choice and then the thing with laura like she does have to decide she we haven't really seen it yet but we have to see her journey is just beginning her call is to like i said that earlier line like to be more than what they made her to be she has to decide if she's just going to be a killing machine or if she's going to try and be a benefit to society well and her journey starts with 
it's kind of the torch is passed when they go into battle together and she jumps off him and they have this wonderful battle together. She's fearless going against X-24 in there with him, which kills Logan, but she ends up, that's the end of it. So I guess, yeah, I mean, her rising to the call would be her own tale afterwards. I was trying to introduce some conflict into this, which <laughs> well, you did. It was a great, great podcast. And, and Craig's like, nah, let's compromise. So, let's yeah, compromise. Everyone loves compromise, Craig. <laughs> uh, but it's I'm just kidding. You're, it's you're the totally end right. of Logan's journey for sure. Which is like what Corey said earlier. Like we wanted to see that. Like it is the most, it, it's satisfying in a way because like what else does he need to do? Like, yes, it's going to be fun watching him banter back and forth with Ryan Reynolds, yeah. but it also is a fulfilling end to that character. Uh-huh. There's layers to it. Mm-hmm. Layers. Which is a, a natural lead into talking about world building. Did you guys have anything else that you wanted to add? Just about the greater X-Men universe, movies or otherwise? I don't know that it... I mean, obviously, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It almost feels like it It narrows the X, the world to the X-Men. Mm. It doesn't build it like it's already pretty well established it, it it exists within our world um and then it by taking out a lot of the mutants it, it brings it back to reality and it makes the movie more grounded like these superhero fantastical things don't exist anymore so in the terms of like a superhero movie it, it like it, it it pulls back on the world building but in like a post-apocalyptic dystopian sense it does Kind of built that. Um, but I dig it. I thought it was great. I, I, liked, I liked that it did that. I liked that it, it didn't spend too much time world building because it, it's more character focused. Yeah, I had just a couple of things I think that you guys really already talked about. I mean, I had the thing about um, the adamantium, <clears throat> excuse me, the adamantium that was, you know, his greatest strength is now the thing that's killing him. I love that you brought that up earlier. Of course. Yeah. So it's kind of like the fallout from some of those other films that like the, the debt always comes due as, as Mordo would say. Right? Uh, yeah. So final thoughts on, on Logan. Justin. Oh, I'm going, um, I mean, kind of just what I said at the get go. Yeah. I freaking love this movie. This is <laughs> one of the movies that I can watch over and over and over again. Uh, I think the first time I watched it, my wife and kids were out of town and I was living in an apartment and I had like, I had like a couple days to myself and I remember like blacking out all the windows with blankets and I'm like, I'm going to enjoy this movie. And I did. It was so good. And I still get the feels every single time. Like if you can watch this without crying and without just like feeling a sense of love for the character of Logan, I don't, you're heartless. Like you have no, you have, you're not human. Um, it's as close to a flawless movie as you can possibly get. Gory. Well, I would say I think I will respect that. And I would say that I think this is a great movie. I did not like it when it first came out. I'd echo that again. But then I think when you start to delve into the character of who Logan is, at least in my mind, through his his all his movies the X-Men movies, the arc that Hugh Jackman has played with this character. I think it makes sense. And when it makes sense, when you take all of the character aspects from multiple movies in, it makes this final piece just the checkmate of a movie for a character. Just a, 
this is the last dance and I'm done uh, with the asterisk of Deadpool 3 coming out. But that'll be a different universe or something. Ryan Reynolds will throw an explanation in there. But but it's the same thing. This could have, he walked off and rather than going into the sunset, he took a perfect death for a character, which is great. And I love it and I'm here for it. I don't know that this is the kind of movie that I would watch over and over again, but it's definitely the kind of movie that I look at and say, that was a good movie and I respect it. I feel like with how much bashing I did on last week's movie, um, we need to have a movie that you're more passionately uh, against because <laughs> you're, you're just kind of like, I'm too oh, nice yeah, it's, about it. Was pretty good. Yeah, you're too nice about it. We need a Logan's movie that too you good. actually It's too hate. good of a movie for me to do that against. I could see where you took that with Big Trouble in Little China. I, you can't take that same stance with Logan. Being so freaking agreeable oh. there, Corey. Oh, I got a few movies I could throw that to. Throw All right, that. let's do those sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't want to go too far off of the Deadpool 3 thing. I wanted to make sure I asked both of you guys, how do you feel about Logan coming back for Deadpool 3? Are you okay with it? Oh, I absolutely am in there for it. And I, I think that is the best thing. I think him and Ryan Reynolds have a chemistry you can't. You can't possibly fake that chemistry with anyone else. And you can't build that. I mean, that's a rare come along uh, in a decade type of chemistry. And the fact that he got it back and set this all up in Deadpool 2, the outtakes at the credit scenes, it's just cleaning up the timelines. I mean, that is fantastic. <laughs> and the fact that they, they're doing it, I think it's incredible. And I think it's going to break the internet when it finally comes out. Justin, how do you feel about it? Uh, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm very happy with the send off that Logan currently has. I think that's great, but in no way would this break any sort of continuity because you can assume it happens in, in the past, especially because in the comics shown in Logan, he's wearing the yellow suit right? and we never see him wear the yellow suit. So maybe Deadpool is what's going on in the comics. I don't know. Or during that time period. So it doesn't break continuity, but I also... I also worry it's going to maybe make light of Logan and the way he dies. Deadpool 2 already kind of did make light of it, which is fine. Do what you want. But I like this movie. Don't ruin yeah. it for me. But that's yeah, the part like, of breaking the fourth wall. That Deadpool has liberty to do that. I suppose. Yeah. And we've already established multiple times, I think, that this film, Logan, kind of sits on its own no matter what. So you could always say, well, this is a different timeline and especially as much as marvel has now gotten into all of the you know the multiverse and whatnot like this one exists and cannot be messed with so oh yeah i'm don't get me wrong i'm very excited for deadpool as a man who has a wall in his classroom devoted to ryan reynolds um <laughs> yes. yeah i'll definitely see the movie just yeah. a wall just one <laughs> I get well it. i mean it's ryan reynolds i might have uh, a photoshopped image of my head on top of Blake Lively's head. Yeah. Uh, being married to Ryan. Like that might exist in my classroom. I don't know. Somewhere. There might be t-shirts made with Ryan Reynolds might. middle school. Cardboard cutout. Maybe. Nice. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to point out too is, did you guys know that there is a Logan noir black and white version of this film? No, I did not know. And I've never understood the appeal of that sort yeah, of movie. I I have not watched it, but I, I watched this version. Uh, I have multiple versions. I had watched on Movies Anywhere, and it's one of the extras, which little plug for Movies Anywhere. So like, if you'd like to sponsor us, um, always <laughs> watch your digital movies on Movies Anywhere because, and because they frequently have 
the alternate versions of things. Like we talked about this with, with Watchmen. Like that's where the ultimate cut is. I bought the regular version and the ultimate cut is only on there. Is this um, an ad spot, Craig? Are you? I, apparently it is. Are uh, you also pitching for, movies anywhere? Hey, I would love to be sponsored by movies okay, anywhere. Okay, you need to share some of that sweet, sweet sponsorship dough with us because <laughs> <laughs> I will gladly split whatever comes in at this point so, at zero. What's, yeah, what's half of zero? <laughs> I also, though, I go just to wrap up on on Logan. I I think it's also like I said earlier. It's it's not a fun movie for me. Like I had a kind of a hard time finishing this off because it was just so depressing. But it was good, and so I don't want to watch it frequently. But I do enjoy, I do enjoy watching it. I think if I'm not watching it super closely, I can just kind of sit back. I'll probably enjoy it a little bit more. This was a little bit of a slog just because. I wanted to rewatch certain parts instead of just kind of let it wash over me. So that'll be my my two cents on that. Yeah, you just gotta one us up us on the uh, on the <laughs> music. Like I gotta, I gotta, I gotta I maintain can, my title. I gotta, I do gotta it. flex. I gotta flex. So as we close, we just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Email us at readingbetweenreels at gmail dot com, or use the SpeakPipe app on our website. If you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend. Support us by writing a review on your favorite podcast catcher. Our next episode will be a celebration of Reading Between the Reels' third anniversary. It's been three years already. Uh, and a review of Blade Runner. Woo! Spe- yeah. Hey. With special, hey, special returning, we have a returning guest. Dan Zare from Coffee with Kenobi will be joining us to break that bad boy down. Uh, he's never seen it before now. Corey has never seen that movie before. I now. actually, I saw it. I just slept through part of it, most of it. <laughs> this, okay, so this is where we're gonna have beef, Corey. This is the this episode is where we're where gonna it's have this is the one. Is Here this the comes. new Blade Runner or the old Blade Runner? Which one am I watching? It's, it's the final cut. We're gonna be focusing on the final cut version of the film from 2007. So, All right. uh, if you have access to that one, guys, watch that one. Uh, send us an email or voicemail about your favorite moments from Blade Runner, or anything about the show, and share it on the next episode. 